I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Love that yeah. sound. I think that actually splashed on my keyboard. Whoops. <laughs> Bit of a backfire. Whoopsies. That's okay. <laughs> what have you got today? Mm. That was mid-sip. Um, this is actually a local. This is a local beer. I like Ambers. I think I've said this before. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling deja vu after saying that. But anyway, this is West 6th Brewing, and it's from Lexington, Kentucky. Nice. But it's, it's their Amber Ale. They're, they're really like basic branding. They just like lager, amber, stout, or IPA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got a, a beer brand here that... Their can is just like all one solid color and they just do a different color for each flavor and it's just got like a square in it with like the name of the beer. It's pretty. Yeah, I like stuff like minimalist. that. I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's pure, you know. <laughs> I quite like, I don't know, pretty intricate designs, especially like with stouts where they've got like, I don't know, it's almost like the cover of like a metal album or something. Mm. It's got, you know, like a, a big angry owl or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's one I'm thinking of when you said that it's like. Is it like Oma Gang or something? That, I, I mean, know. I don't I know. We're we on different parts of the world. So yeah, who knows <laughs> yeah. what beers each other has. But, um, you know, speaking of that, when I was there for Laracon AU, I was kind of disappointed in like the craft beer selection. Where did you go though? Well, you I mean, just, obviously like, in the I was harbor, in right? Sydney. Yeah, I was just yeah. in the harbor area. I mean, again, I'm not saying there aren't any. I'm just saying like, I remember asking like, hey, are there any breweries or craft beer houses or anything and they like they sent me to like just the local street corner pub and i was like come on yeah fair enough there is there is a pretty good scene here i would say but i don't know about sydney yeah i mean i obviously i didn't know either it was just kind of a random tidbit tangent there yeah fair enough anyway this isn't a beer podcast although i could probably happily do one of those as well (laughs) Well, for me, this is my only chance to um, kind of have a beer after a, a day of coding and parenting because Izzy is down and this is like my half hour. Yep. It's the J-Mac hour. So you can have a drink and record a podcast. Just cram as much in as I can in that half hour. It's <laughs> all I have. So, but yeah, anyway, yeah, it's good Good to see you again. We saw each other again this morning pairing probably our- Last night, Yeah. <laughs> Last, sorry, last night for you, this morning for me. Um, yeah, so probably our last time needing to do that because the Tailwind shifts are pretty much ready to go. Yeah, they're uh, feeling pretty magical. It's been pretty fun, like, building a shift and kind of seeing the process. And, like, even when I know how it all works, mm-hmm. seeing it run on, like, you know, a real code base as opposed to like all the kind of like sample fixtures and everything. See it on a real code base still has that magical feeling that like shift has where it's like, wow, it like got that. And it's pretty cool when you get that PR, like I'm still pretty stoked about it. Sometimes one of my favorite is the Laravel fixer. Like I'll run that even on my own project every now and then just when I've been coding for six months, you know, and whatever, Yeah, I'll just go run that again. And it's like, changes some things to like the array syntax and like you know oh i forgot a form request you know object (laughs) over here and it's like i'm just like oh man so cool it's like having like your past self able to just you know jump in and do some code for you yeah 
yeah so anyway but yeah it's definitely been fun like we talked about in the last episode pairing so probably by the time this is released the beta versions of those should be available to be to be tried out so if you have a tailwind project running an old version and like me you were tired of is it you know bg gray 100 or is it lightest or is it gray with an e or an a i don't know anymore (laughs) i'm on the wrong version check out the tailwind shifts definitely thus ended my shameless marketing promotion yep speaking of the gray oh yeah at work we use gray but like in the english spelling it's like ey Mm -hmm. but i'm so used to using american spelling for that because of tailwind yeah so i find it frustrating at work actually having to spell it the australian way same with color yeah yeah color and gray are two things that i kind of by default spell american i had to fix a few of your like proper english yeah behavior i think was one of them behavior was one yeah and then like i chuck a i chuck a u in there right yeah yeah you definitely had behavior <laughs> and also i just can't spell palette it turns out you cannot spell palette for the life and of that's you. not even an australianism that's just no i <laughs> i was changing that in class names in comments in i mean i was changing it back everywhere yeah i was almost going to build a shift to convert palette <laughs> to palette the correct spelling for you uh too funny yep anyway jumping kind of into the podcast so we had kind of asked last time in fact challenged the audience to hey you know when we ask what you want to hear about let us know because we'll talk about it yeah and marcus i'm probably gonna mess up the last name polls i don't know p-o-e-h-l-s and it looks like he's german i'd say polls polls yeah. I don't know. Marcus, we'll stick with. Marcus asked, hey, great for the new episodes. Uh, it would be cool if you could talk about one of your technical problems and how you solved it. What were the pros and cons, you know, when you considered choosing the path? And I thought this was actually great because in a way, in building these tailwind shifts, I felt like we you know, kind of were talking about pairing styles last time and all these things. And I just felt like one of the areas like we really saw evolve as we were building these tailwind shifts was like the tailwind config so i think maybe we can just talk about that in an, in an effort to kind of go deeper on a technical problem and use that as an example yeah i mean that that was pretty challenging and it was more challenging than i kind of th- like thought at surface level sure because it's not a json file which a probably most people realize. So it's not just like a JSON encode and then you've got all of the config values in a structured, you know, array in memory. Sorry, yeah? real quick, let's just let's just make sure we're laying out the problem a little bit. We needed to parse the Tailwind config files so we can of course upgrade it between the versions and it is JavaScript, but as Jess is saying, it's not really JSON. So, sorry, continue. I just wanted yeah. to lay a little foundation. No, good point, good point. So it is a big JavaScript object mm-hmm. that you're exporting, but you can't just like parse it with, say, Node, for example, because you'd have to run all the NPM install for it to actually parse successfully if there's any um, includes or functions or anything in there, which gets a bit risky. So the ideal situation just with the with the way that Shift works is to pull it in with PHP, but... Yeah, the challenge is, is that PHP doesn't have like a JavaScript parser in it. Yeah. And you can't use JSON encode. 
So like my first initial kind of like naive approach was to, you know, pass it with regex, kind of go over it. And and in fairness, I was totally with you, right? Like, because going to the last time, like, hey, let's get some naive approach. Let's get the code. Like, I was totally into that. Like, let's just start regex parsing it. Because we did, or I definitely looked, okay, and thought, well, maybe I can do this with NPM and then like stringify that as legit json and give it back to php so we can work with it right just a little command line utility that like read it in but to jess's point if you want to read it in with node it's going to try to resolve like the variables and your require statements and all that kind of stuff and so it's actually going to kind of run that config file in a way so it's difficult to analyze it without running it per se because even running it is a problem because if it's you know pulling a color from a variable when it runs it that will be evaluated so you'll actually get the color value rather than the code that evaluates it exactly and we want it to be in its original state so yeah so yeah i wanted to try and convert it into json because the structure of it's like of a javascript object is pretty similar to json i mean obviously json being javascript object notation means that json is valid javascript but javascript is not valid json but it's close, right? Like it still yeah. uses, you know, colons and, you know, curly brackets and all those sorts of things. So I think technically speaking, like it's an object literal, I guess, is what it would be called. Yeah. And those familiar with JavaScript know that inside of an object literal, like you can have closures, you can have, you know, spread operators, you can have all sorts of stuff kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's basically just javascript wrapped in curly braces yeah (laughs) that's about as technical of a spec as you're gonna get so it's just it's not easy to mess with no not at all and some people might be thinking okay well just run it through an actual parser so i looked at something like acorn which is like a javascript parser and it'll give you like an ast like an abstract syntax tree but then you kind of have to like put humpty dumpty back together again so that felt like to me, of course, felt like so heavy. It's just like, this is ridiculous. I'm not, we're not going to bring in Acorn and start parsing JavaScript just for the config file. Yeah. So we knew we weren't going to go that extreme. So we went to the naive extreme, which was regex parsing. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So yeah, literally just, you know, every key, like detecting it with regex and wrapping it in double quotes, um, every value, if it was single quotes, changing it to double quotes so that it was valid JSON. It got a little bit tricky because like some of the values are actually, you know, can be like a function call. Yeah. So we have to basically just treat that as a string. But when we get it back out again, basically remove all those quotes and anything that was single quoted would still have those quotes there. But anything that was like, you know, an actual function call or whatever it might be. Yeah. Kept it. And that worked like reasonably. It totally achieved the initial goal of being able to JSON encode and JSON decode it. Yeah. So from that initial like requirement of like, gosh, it'd be great to be able to work with this in PHP by using JSON decode and then JSON encode, we achieved that. It was a gnarly set of regex to kind of get it together and then put it back like a compatible JSON format. It was pretty gnarly, but like it worked. It totally worked. And it was like, what, 40 lines of code maybe? Yeah, it wasn't too much. The, the putting it back together was interesting because like, I wanted all the indentation to be correct. So I wrote this little recursive function that would, every time it found another array in the hierarchy, it would call itself, but yeah. set the indentation level deeper so it would keep nesting code. And yeah. like it was fun, but 
had a few problems. That was like iteration one. Yeah. And again, from the spec of, I want to be able to work with a Tailwind config file by using PHP's JSON functions. It was a total checkbox. Success. Yeah. But then we started writing the tasks to actually manipulate the configuration file. And it was very apparent that being able to kind of traverse, for example, or even just change one of those values was going to be very, very tricky because the key could be single or double quoted or not quoted, right? Depending on what the initial JavaScript, you know, object literal was. So like, for example, if you have a color gray 100 in your Tailwind config file, maybe you single quoted that, maybe you double quoted that, maybe you didn't quote it at all, right? Yeah, the key name, yep. So our thing didn't really account for that, right? Like if we were just kind of wrapping it where it needed to be wrapped to make JSON decode happy, it still made it really hard to work with when we're kind of like traversing around because then you have to do all these checks of like, is it gray single quotes? Is it gray double quotes? Is it gray not quoted? Yeah. And then you had to do the same thing on the other side that if you wanted to compare a value, let's let's make sure that that hex value of gray 100 is the Tailwind default. And if so, we're going to remove it out of your config file as an optimization that shift does, right? Yeah. Well, same thing on the other side. Was it single quoted? Was it double quoted? Was it not quoted at all? Like the comparison of that everywhere got to be so, so nasty. And it was like, no, scrap it. Yeah. And we can't even like count on people's tailwind configs looking exactly the same as like a default one like it like by default i think there are single quotes but if you're running some sort of a linter on all javascript files in your code base it might have changed the indentation to four spaces it might have changed things to double quotes who knows yeah anything's possible and kind of to that point that's one of the reasons shift actually does some formatting it's one of the things that sometimes people will gripe about because it kind of makes for a large file diff if if you have no code style or no code format within your application like that first commit that shift does is going to probably affect most of your files right yeah now again all this is configurable you can make it whatever you want a formatting but the point is i expect some level of formatting because then i can make assumptions about the code in a way right yeah that was an option we could have like run your config file through prettier to normalize it so we would be able to trust and make assumptions about certain things to, to be able to write less code and, and achieve a higher level of automation. Yeah. But knowing shift, I didn't really want to make that be a requirement per se. Yeah. So we needed something a little more robust. Yes. And so you found, was it called like CJSON or something? Yeah. Okay. So iteration one was good. If all we wanted to do was be able to take a Tailwind config file and kind of analyze it using the PHP JSON bit, but we didn't just want to analyze it. We don't just want to read values out of it. We actually need to be able to manipulate values, move keys around, change key names, compare values, potentially even remove keys, right? And when you have this different quoting, not quoting craziness, there was no uniformity. Like it wasn't a real object. It was kind of just like this array that we had piece together key and values inside of it right yeah even wrapping it in like a a illuminate collection wasn't gonna make everything go all the problems go away (laughs) i think we knew once it was in the the right kind of array like yeah we could do all sorts of collection methods we could use the array helper built in to um you know illuminate 
and then you can use dot notation. So like we knew where we wanted to get, but that iteration just wasn't getting us there. So we chucked it, or at least most of the parts with the JSON, the native PHP JSON. And I went back and looked at some of the other parsers that were out there because there were two parsers out there beyond just what PHP offers out in the community. And one of them actually came from the Yi framework. And at first I was like, well, I'm not pulling in the whole Yi framework just to get this one little utility class. Yep. But actually it was uh, static. It had a static encode and decode. So it was entirely standalone. It didn't require anything else in the Yi framework. So I actually assimilated that code, updated it slightly to handle some cases like trailing commas, I think. Mm-hmm. So trailing commas was an annoying thing because it's not in the JSON spec, but of course everyone in you know PHP arrays and, and JavaScript arrays typically leave a trailing comma. So I updated it to handle that. And then I think what else I updated it, like if it somehow didn't know what it was, like if it wasn't an array or some basic JSON, then I left it raw. I do remember it pretty much choking on anything that was actually like JavaScript code. Like if it wasn't just like object syntax of like, you know, setting a, a, a property to some sort of a scalar value, if it was actually running some sort of code, doing any destructuring, anything like that. Yeah. It really just, yeah, made a mess of it. So really what this achieved was instead of just passing this string to like a JSON decode, we're still using JSON decode, but we actually have like in a way a PHP implementation of what that underlying function does, which allowed us to kind of tweak it a bit. This is really all this iteration changed. It's still in PHP. It's still JSON decoding it, but... We now have 150 lines of code that is actually doing the decoding. And that's allowing us to put in these little tweaks to kind of create what I call like intermediate representations. So like this is like one of my favorite classes in college was like compilers. And this is kind of one of the things, right? You like parse a syntax and maybe you create what they call an intermediate representation, right? And this is, it's not like the final code, right? It's not like the assembly code. Like maybe it's something in between that's later going to get an additional level of parsing. Okay. What I did was like, if this CJSON thing out of the framework got to the very last if statement and it just like didn't know what the heck was going on, I would wrap that basically just like the string and I put underscore raw colon in front of it. Yeah, just like a little magic token that lets you know. Yeah, exactly. Just a little little flag that lets me know that this thing behind this is not parsed. It's raw. Yeah. This little trick just handled all of the things that were JavaScript-y. So like closures, function calls, um, spread operators, anything that you might do in a config file. I think in all of those cases, we don't really need to like read that raw value. Exactly. We just need to be able to put it back when we put Humpty Dumpty back together, as you say. Yeah. So most of the time when it did find a raw value, all we really needed to do was just preserve it and keep it yep. exactly the way it was, right? Keep it raw. Yeah. I mean, we might need to move it around like Maybe. by its yeah. key name, but yeah, the actual contents of it, not needing to be touched. And so now, because we were able to parse this and it didn't care about you know, what the keys were, quoted, not quoted, whatever. Now we actually have an array by using this with just a few tweaks. It took maybe an hour or two to kind of understand all of the code. But again, it was only about 150 lines. It was static methods. So it was very easy to drop into the code base, assimilate it, clean it up, you know, make it, I think, PHP 8 compatible or whatever. It had a couple weird 
like um, old school string references with like the braces or something. So I cleaned all that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it took about an afternoon to get that right. And then I think it probably took another day to get all the cruddy methods, right? Get set. Yeah. Replace, rename. You know, yeah. rename. Yeah. Destroy. Eventually, we made like a set raw, like for the one time we had to mess with like a raw value. Yeah. I can't even remember what that was now, but I remember we created one. Yeah. And then I think there was one like get all keys, you know, stuff like that. Like all the really basic data objecty kind of methods, we wrapped that thing around. Yeah. And it ended up working out pretty well. Yeah. I mean, it had the benefit of making the actual, like the task code that's actually going in and moving things around very declarative. It's just, you know, moving this thing. We're setting this value here. Yeah. None of the gnarly parsing or anything like that had to live in. The application code at all was abstracted into a its own little hovel. Yeah, we could do really expressive things like config rename, you know, option dot prefix, you know, to prefix, so to speak. Yeah. And that would basically just take that little configuration key and bring it top level, right? Which is yeah. something that needs to be done for Tailwind 0 to Tailwind 1. And there's all sorts of things like that. Yeah, the the whole extend thing. Some things can be inside extend. Some things you don't want an extend. And and, the, and then again, now that it's an array, like when we're looking at things like the variants, we can very easily like do things like now optimize your config, which was a kind of a cool thing, where we could basically just say like, hey, if this if your value matches the value from a default Tailwind config file, we know we can just drop it because like you don't you don't have to set that stuff anymore. Like all of that becomes optional in tailwind one and two right because it's a much more streamlined config yeah the the kind of like the approach changed we wanted to make it as if you had always been running like tailwind one if you were using the tailwind one shift so it kind of followed all of the the best practices and standards that became standard in tailwind one as opposed to kind of just porting over your old config but having it in this kind of in-between weird state yeah so yeah i mean I think that's, uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. That's what we ultimately ended up with. So maybe just to kind of recap it a bit, we started with a very naive approach of using regular expression because initially we just thought, okay, well, we're just going to have to change a few keys. And old JMac was like, just do the simplest thing that possibly works. And we tried to write some regexes to like change this key to that key. But of course, that's not going to be enough because then we had to like move keys around, right? And now when you're starting to move whole bits of nested object structure into like a top level object, well, if you're gonna do that with string manipulation, like now you gotta know indentation levels. Now you gotta know how to find your place in the string. Where does that end? And that starts to become very interesting from a regular expression perspective. Like, is it doable? Yes, but it starts to actually become more code in that scenario. Yeah, and very brittle as well. Exactly. Yeah, we wouldn't have been able to do anything cool that we ultimately ended up doing. So I think we knew right away that solution had a lot of cons, kind of getting back to the question, right? Like that that had a lot of disadvantages. Super brittle yeah. wasn't going to work out like for all of the things we needed to do across all the Tailwind shifts. Like would it have worked for that one or two bullet point item in the upgrade guide? Maybe. But once we got to the next one, no good. Yeah. But I think it's important to point out, though, that we still started there. Yeah. We didn't necessarily jump to, like, Acorn JS abstract syntax tree parsing and, like, interpretation of, like, you know, JavaScript object literals. Like, we didn't go, we didn't straight go there, right? Yeah. We, we really actually 
the quite the opposite. We stayed with like the most simple approach, even in a way in the back of our minds, knowing like, I remember even kind of convincing you like, let's just write some regexes and see where it gets us. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to be able to still know what's happening under the hood. And if anything's not working as expected, like you can tweak it and see it going on. It's not like a black box of parsing craziness. It's yeah. Yeah. So iteration two was kind of where we knew again, in the back of our minds, we might've needed to go, which was some kind of parser. Now we could have made probably, uh, you know, a half step farther and gone back to, to kind of the node territory where it was parsing it instead. You know, I time boxed some things and tried that for maybe 20, 30 minutes and they just were not working out because of all the things we were talking about. And we're both super familiar with PHP. So it just felt a lot easier for us to be able to just manipulate it in PHP. So that's why we still stuck forth with that initial effort of taking it and making it kind of JSON readable in a way, because we knew once it was JSON, we could mess with it in anything. Forget just PHP. I mean, in anything, we could mess with it at that point. Yeah. I mean, the the resulting code is probably not something you'd ever want to like like publish as a like, you know, this will handle every situation kind of thing. It's it's really fit for fit for purpose, but it's not yes. generalizable, I wouldn't say. But we didn't write all that code ourselves. Like I would have never gone no. that far. I think I would have no. so so again, kind of to the heart of the question, like had I needed to write all of that JSON parser myself, I would have probably made the leap to go over and cross the fence into node yeah because it's just it would have been closer to the metal like i like to say yeah so what's really nice about this approach in my opinion is like you said like we do own it it's a pretty small amount but in the process of owning it and spending a little more time on it we now have a stronger foundation to kind of build upon so as we learn more about the tailwind config or future changes or we need to maybe do more things with the config there's a lot of opportunity for us to continue to ex- evolve that code. Like we're not doing everything now. We, we laid a really good foundation for these cruddy operations and stuff, but like mm-hmm. even in just building some of the tailwind two shift stuff, like there was opportunities to add maybe one more method, but now it's just so easy on that tailwind config object to just make another quick method that we can mess with. And over time, I totally feel like that's going to become kind of like the collection class in Laravel, like it's just going to keep having more useful methods on it. And the great thing about it as well is like, if something drastically changes in Tailwind, it's not going to change in Tailwind 1. Like the book is closed on Tailwind 1. I mean, there might be a minor bug fix or something, but the solution for that can stay that. And if a future shift needs something entirely different, like it it, it doesn't create like a backwards compatible problem or anything like that. So, so two, two final points I wanted to make. Uh, so one, I think it's important to get this across is that, you know, again, starting with that naive solution, like, yeah, we threw something away, but we were, we were iterating on that so fast. I mean, we're talking like maybe a day and I think yeah, some developers could get stuck on this problem for multiple days trying to figure out or find like the parser, you know, instead of getting in there and just starting to kind of mess with something. You know, even if it's not going to work, like you start to learn the boundaries of the different solutions quickly. So, yeah, you know, I just want to kind of like point that out one last time as like, I just, I think that's so valuable as a developer to kind of just get in there, start coding, get that naive thing going and, and be okay throwing it away. You know, like you still learned something. Yeah, for sure. 
And then the final thing I want to point out is in the process of finding these other parsers and even kind of writing one our own, I found a spec. Uh, it's like JSON 5 or something. Okay. And it it's kind of like a JSON superset that allows some of the more modern syntax, like no quotes around keys, trailing commas, you know, things of that nature. So I actually did find a, a PHP parser for JSON 5, but they didn't have an encoder. So like it was only one side of the coin. Okay. Anyway, if anyone else is parsing a JSON-like thing in PHP and you want to uh, maybe allow that, um, JSON 5 apparently is uh, a thing. Interesting. I don't know. I'm a fan of JSON-C though, which is like just JSON, but you can have comments. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Cool. Anyway, so yeah, in the future, again, that might be something if this CJSON class from that we borrowed from Yi, like, I don't know, has some weird thing in it that we haven't found yet, then we can always swap out the underlying parser for this JSON 5 thing. Yeah. Cool. Well, hopefully that was, uh, that was interesting. Hopefully that answered Marcus's question. Yeah, I think we got one more. Uh, so maybe we'll address that in a future episode. Uh, but again, if you have things you want to hear about or want us to talk in more depth on, uh, just reply to one of our episode announcements. Uh, hit us up on Twitter and we'll get that covered. Yeah. All right. See you next time then, I guess. Yep. See ya. See ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 33.